by the cross and the hall, but she said, I hand you the ring of Jesus. Are you not the least among the leaders of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, he determined from them what time the star appeared. And he said to them from Bethlehem, or he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till they came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when he had come into the house, <clears throat> when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their uh, when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for uh, for their own country another way. So what we can look at this is you know, when you see the manger scenes and, and uh the nativity scenes, that kind of stuff, you always see Jesus three wise men, okay? The kids thought it was a whole lot of wise men. This is not a small group. Wise men come up with three gifts, but there's a whole lot more wise men than that. But one of the things that you see that surrounds uh, the birth of Jesus, whether it's the wise men or whether it was the shepherds or whether it was the angels, you know, when they appeared uh, with the shepherds or whether it was after Jesus was born, you know, you see Simeon and then Anna the prophetess. Every one of those people who were involved in the story of Jesus' birth, they were all about worshiping, you know, Jesus. I want you to think about it. Jesus was a baby, and a year and a year maybe it was possibly he was up between one and two years old. They had already moved into the house, and the Herod had all the kids, and she was under the field. So, so Jesus had been waiting for a little baby, and he wasn't ready to deny that that he was born like the nativity scene shows. Don't matter. But but the point is that uh, when they came, uh, they came there, and they came for the purpose to worship the Lord as a child. This is prior to any miracles. This is prior to anything that he had done or accomplished or, or any revelation other than what uh, they had been revealed to the scripture and what the angels had revealed. And so they were just coming to worship him for who he was. And so when we look at the wise men, we can look at their lives and we can follow a good pattern that God wants the story in their lives. There's a lot of things we can learn. But, but one of the things you see for the wise men was that they were looking for this, this child, this this baby who was born who was going to be the king, the great king the Bible speaks of. And, and these wise men, the actual word there for them is, is magi. They came from the east, which means they came in the, in the area of Babylon is where they would come from. So what are these wise men? Who are they? I think you can see this. Who are they? How they find that law and stuff. If you look back, we'll look at time here, but if you look back in the book of Daniel, okay? Remember Daniel was the one who feasted and then the captivity was brought as a slave into Babylon, and God's spirit was in Daniel uh, in, in a way as few men have ever experienced that. And, and the king Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that there was a statue, uh, and, and none of his, what he, he called all what they called the wise men, who schemed them together to interpret this dream. And they were they were connected to astrology, is what they were. You know, they, they, uh, the Babylonians discovered that they worshipped astrology, and so that's that's where these wise men were. You remember that none of them could interpret the dream, but Daniel went and prayed to the Lord. God gave him the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. 
nation was to proclaim his son and future kingdom that would come. And so Daniel goes and he gives the interpretation of this dream. And in that dream, he talks about the kingdom of Babylon and the Medo-Persian kingdoms and the Greek kingdoms and the Roman And then he talks about that there would be this king that would come. It was a king of the everlasting kingdom. He's talking about Jesus. He would set up his kingdom during the days of these kings. It would be an everlasting kingdom that was in captivity. And then in Daniel chapter 7, he talks about this again, how the stone, the stone he talks about Jesus would crush all these other kingdoms, and this kingdom would be established. But think about this. Daniel is, 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 is he was magnified. God just magnified Daniel to all those people in Nebuchadnezzar. Like, is there any man we can find who has, you know, the spirit of God in him like this person? And so he exalted Daniel. Daniel was placed in a position over all of the wise men of Babylon. In that, Daniel would have taught those men. They would have heard his prophecy. They would have read his prophecy. And, and he wrote it down. <clears throat> and so think about this. Daniel was a little over a little over 25, but five or 600 years prior to the birth of Christ. So five or 600 years, these wise men took what Daniel taught and they, they believed it. And they began to watch for it. Numbers 24, I believe it's 17, that's that Numbers 24, 17 was a prophecy. It says, I see him, but, now, uh, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel and bow the brow of Moses and destroy all the sons of Saul. So this is talking about Jesus, talking about the, the star out of Jacob. So they took this and they bring it to Daniel and they begin to watch for this thing. I didn't, I didn't realize it. Uh, it was this point in time. Thank you, And he goes through all the science of how this all is happening. They saw all the planets lined up in the line that that was what they saw when they saw the star of Jacob. And so anyhow, so they were thinking about this. This was a teaching, a story that was passed along for 500 years. So they were watching and they were looking and it was God's word is what it was. And they're watching and then when they saw this star, they knew that there was this this everlasting king. I don't know if they registered that he was the son of God at that point in time, but they knew he was in this day he was the king of Judah, and this is what they were looking for. And so they, they come to Bethlehem, and they come for the purpose of worship. Now, now here's what I want you to get out of that, because I have a little bit more to do with that this day. The reason that they came is because this story was passed on generation after generation after generation, and they were looking for what they were So I want to encourage you, it's really simple right here how you can apply, you know, God's word to your life. I encourage you to parents. You know, your kids hear the story of Jesus. If they come here, we've got exceptional teachers. And our children's ministry and our Sunday school and our youth class, your kids hear. I'm not talking this kid, talking about all the other kids. They hear about the stories about the birth of Jesus and, and all these things when they're in church. But if the only place that your kids hear those things is in church, you don't have a good parenting. I want to encourage you, one of the things that really impacted my life was, you know, my daddy's hero, always has been, and, and so when I was a kid, when we were kids, you know, we would hear those things in church, but there was always a time when, when in the 
I, I've been talking to her on it, so it's not, it would be a call to him. I'm telling you, it's not a call to me. I, you know, she is. I'm not talking to any of that. And 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 I and I try to do it in my life. But I see in Christ Church here that he would sit down and he would tell the story. He wouldn't read the Bible. He would, in his own words, talk about you know the birth of Jesus. You know what that did to me? I expected Sunday school teachers and preachers to tell me about it, but for my dad. He was my hero to sit down and it, it became alive and real and applicable to me as a kid life. This is important to my daddy. This is important to me. And so I encourage y'all, man, if you don't do anything else this, this Christmas season, really simple for you, you know, you know whether, I don't know if you live in your town or wherever, but one thing you can do, you know, you can do a fire, go out there with your kids, make some s'mores, make it fun. Don't make a school to sit down and learn these basics. You know, sit down and, and as y'all sit down, y'all talk. You know, your dad's out there, your dad's here, your mom's too, but, but hey, I know there's some kids that moms are here, but also dad's still here. Don't, don't take off on your life, just sit down and enjoy it. You know, I don't know what the story is, enjoy your life. <laughs> it's not that difficult. Put it in your own redneck words. You don't got to be a hundred dollars or nothing. We just talk to your kids more and more that what, what can we do in the moment. Put it on presents, you know, somebody got a new song, that kind of stuff, that's all exciting. But let me tell you what, what we're really excited about. Thank you. 
We complain, you know, and all this, and we're like, it's, but, but really, if we're honest, it's all about us. What's the government going to do for us? Oh, everybody's not like that. But like, that's the attitude. Like, you know, what does the government do for us? How does the government serve us? We're the ones who control. We're the ones who can receive. We're the ones who can take care. That's not the way it works in the scripture. And so I don't know if we even, just to, you know, just speaking again, like, when I started reading this and thinking about how he was magnified and how they how they responded to him just because he was a king, I thought, I don't even know if I can comprehend that kind of worship. I really want to. Really want to give you honor. I want to understand what it means to be a king. And when I thought about that, I thought, you know, God is his king, his son, who is the who is gonna be the everlasting eternal king. He's gonna set up his kingdom. I mean, you think about this, Jesus is always being. Spirit of Christ is always, he's always being the Son of God. He's the eternal, everlasting God. The Bible teaches us, the Prince of Peace. And prior to him coming as a man, without stop, I don't know exactly what happens right other than when I read the Bible, but I know this, the angels leaped over him. The Bible talks about 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands, millions of angels who constantly just praise and worship and serve and minister to him. Never made it. He takes on a battle at the drop of a hat. I mean, everything in heaven centrally focuses around this king. Okay? This is what's amazing to me. That same king humbled himself to die for us. You don't see that. You know, in religions, all the other world religions, what you see is men who are a little bit bad, who have to do a lot of good, and we work our way up to. Whereas in the Bible, the Bible teaches of a king who didn't need anything from anybody, who left the presence of constant worship. Man, he ought to sit in this house today. But he leaves the presence of the Father, the presence of constant worship, humbles himself to take on the Bible says the form of a man, the form of a servant, and he lived, listen, he was born in a in a cave, he was born in as one called a barber, in a terrible place. He lived a life of sorrow, he lived a life of rejection by his own people, and he did that because he loved people. You know, God could have wrote us off. I'm sorry if you guys have been seeing this in me. When I share with you, make this is all right. You know, religion in the world has turned us around and lied to us because it's like, well, sin really is fun and it really is good. And but this thing is, you know, it, it impacts God all, and He don't like it. So what He wants you to do is He wants you to repent and He wants you to follow Him. He wants you to be real religious, come to church once, and not just do all the fun things that the world do. But guess what? You don't need Him. That's what a lot of churches have presented, and that's what the world presented. Here's the truth. <clears throat> Everything God gave us was excellent. Right. It was good. God intended good. Listen to me. God wants good for your life. Hyper good. And everything that God has, everything God is, he is good. And you know what we did? We listened to the same liar that a lot of people listen to today. And Adam believed a lie. And then all of a sudden he, he, he goes after the lie and he partakes of what God told him not to. And sin entered into Adam's flesh. And after that, sin started to distort, and it started to deprave, and it started to destroy, and it does the same thing. And you were born with that sin in you. Adam passed that sin on to you and to me. You know, my daddy and my mama didn't have to teach me to lie or teach me to steal or teach me to be prideful and arrogant. 
happened is the tears became my blood. He started manifesting himself one way or another in all of our lives. Some of you go, well, I'm not crying for this. You are. And you know what? You love and you, and, and you covet. And, 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 and I do too. You know, I get angry and I hate. And, and we can be violent or, or we can steal or we can, you know, worship idols and we can be arrogant or we can look down on other people and gossip. We can Sin always manifests itself in our lives one way or another because we're all sinners. And here's the thing, God said, well, God, y'all make that choice. I don't, he don't need us. He's going to realize for you. Forgot about us and left it to ourselves. And you know what? If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you kind of know what that, you, you do know what that's like. You know what you're doing. And boy, it's like we live a lot of that Jesus is. He's reasonable. He's reasonable. He's always looking for what the world can give him, what this life, you know, this life can give him, what money can buy him, and what success can give him, what image can give him. And all these different things that you're looking for to try to find who you are, and you ain't ever going to find it. Nobody's ever going to find it. And sin does its work, and it brings about division, it brings about destruction, and ultimately it brings about death and separation. You know, that's what hell is. It's, it's the end result of the choice of our sin. Well, we've been told this, God, you mad because you didn't love Jesus. You sin. Hell no. God sent his son to love you to save you from that. You choose whether or not you go to hell. But instead of God just writing us off, you know what he does? He's like, I love you. I know they've changed up everything. And I can't allow that in my presence because I'm holy, but I love him. So what are we going to do? I'm going to send my son to be crucified. To be crucified on a tree, naked before the world, bearing the sins of the world, and taking it into his body. He was naked. He nailed him to the cross. Man, is that love? This is crazy. And I just go, you know why we worship him? You know why these people travel that far? They understood a little bit of what that meant. Right? It's not about what he what he offers you, how he can fix your issues, you know, that kind of stuff, and, and how I hope I get something out of this church service. If you love Jesus, you brought something to this church service. And so in that, it's, go, it's just because of who he is. He, he's worthy. He's worthy. If he never did anything else for us, if he never, he's worthy because he is the king of glory. And so in that, you know, the wise man lived for a long that one moment of opportunity. And he did. But but I want you to think about this. They went through all that process that you just talked about. And they finally when it came to the when it came to the place of, of, of marriage home and marriage up home. Although maybe they didn't knock the door, I was like thinking about what we were having. Knock on the door, and I didn't, you know, stick out that they called. Stuff going on. Well, it's Wednesday night. Yeah, it's a little crazy. There's no skin here. Can you imagine what it's like being a parent for like 22 years? I know. Come on. For these people, I mean, I, I try to think about the most important people I know. It's not my brethren. I just say that. He couldn't have even found his own house. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> One of those seasonal manifestations. But I just go, I mean, you think about an important person walking in your house. You think about that. I mean, they would have been blessed by being the one to go to by ambassadors of the nation. To walk in and just to fall down before that child in a place where you could have worshipped him. 
like we have we have just there's just some people there's just some people. But I, I don't feel real bad. I feel my decent enough to finance Danny Joseph's life and she needs to be if I had a church to go to. So they you know, they don't just leave the old friends get some money and give some to me. And there's a lot of people in this town. I've never been at one of the they offer that up to me. That would be a church. So they have no issues. They're all the way. Good work as well, so that's what they have fun. I'm looking there and go, they they waited for that moment. Years and years, five hundred years of passing down this story. And then the actual ones, all of the process and all of the sacrifice that they made, something happens like this in the All this stuff, they walk in, they see him to my death, uh, waiting for him a whole life, and they bow down, they worship. I don't know how long it took, maybe a hundred hours, maybe just two or three, four weeks, you know, they, you know, they, they, they lay down, they give me offered up, and my, I had to read that this second night, maybe I'm just hallucinating the worship, and everybody got hands up. Like <laughs> well, I don't care, y'all. I'm looking at him a lot. Anyhow, so the next day they get up and, and they, they, they walk out one little room and they don't have to do it. They just all 500 years. 500 years to pass? 500 years of oh, They don't tell them what they spent. They could have you know, used that money a whole lot better. <clears throat> they understood what he was worth. So when you tie this into our life, here's our victory this Sunday. You know, they offered up gold, which is honor to a king, frankincense, handkerchiefs, and the stuff that a priest would put on the, the altar when the, 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 it was like incense, it was like smoke, like incense. It represents praise, and it represents faith. And then myrrh is connected to anointing somebody from their guilty conscience. So one of the things, too, that they would recognize is when they but there's something other than that that applies to us because here's, here's the thing it, it speaks of uh, gold speaks of how did my life cause me to sit the frankincense is a picture of my prayer and my praise you know how much time did I spend in prayer for lost people how much time did I spend in praise or, or in prayer that, that God's kingdom would, would come how much time did I spend in prayer for, for people that God that they would see magnified in my life. How much time do I spend in praise for when he did it? Oftentimes we forget about the we forget about the praise. I gotta tell you something. My friend Jim Finch was in the nineteen nineties and I knew him and I told him to that earlier day but but I wanted to understand that I had a pastor friend call a couple weeks ago and about and he said, Brother, I need to pray for my brother. You know, he's on a ventilator. I'm going in to back to town and I'm sitting there talking on the phone with him. He's going to go do his job. He knows the Lord is coming out of power. What am I to do with my brother? And so we started praying for God to heal him and God to come rescue him. He's just like, you know, I just can't. I guess I can't go down to the cemetery because I'm not going to be able to see him. I'm going to go out to him. And he's like, yeah. But it was awesome. You know, he came to see me. And he said, well, what about the ventilator? He started to see me. He's in power. He's not going to die. Tell me that what God can. But anyhow, it doesn't, and, and then the myrrh, and I went to myrrh a lot, so we didn't have to sacrifice the myrrh. How much he was purposing something for us. And I want, I want you to understand that if you're seeking, or you're looking for a witness in Brother Smith, well, first off, I would say, do you know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? If you don't, you know you don't have life, what's your next step? 
Still alive and you're breathing. Maybe I hope this just rocks your soul this morning, because 
rain coming. It's in heaven. How awful would it be for you? No, come on, God loves us. Yeah, that's awful. God's given us an opportunity. I don't care if you like it. I hope. Now, this is next year. Excuse me, I'm like, man, I hope you got a Hallelujah prophecy. But I just look and go, you still, I don't care what your age is, if you know Jesus is your Savior, if you're alive, he's giving you time for you to start today. I'm going to start preparing. Because I'm going to give you the opportunity. I don't want to stand there and offer up some people. I want to bring before him and we're like, Lord, this is, this is, I tried to live my life for you. It's worthy of this. It's honor you, Jesus. I wanted to honor you. I wanted to be obedient to you. I wanted to tell people about you. I wanted to love you before you. I wanted, I wanted you to reassure me, God. I wanted to pray because I believe you are who you are. You can do what your word says you can do. You can still do that. I just encourage you in that today. Start today. Build up some entourage to take you to the church to see what it looks like. Amen. I do want to encourage you to take time to share that story with you. Don't have a story to repeat the Holy Spirit. Just tell me how talk to me about the greatest thing that you ever hear in your life. The greatest God, Jesus came in here. He died for the slave that slave could be set free. Because I'm giving you the privilege of experiencing that. It's going to be an incredible day, incredible celebration. I get that day is coming soon for everybody sitting here. And like death, death is no security to us. Death has no power. We don't have to fear that. What we have is an opportunity, and I look forward to that day where we want to, I want to be full. I don't want to walk in an empty presence. Thank you, Lord. You stand with your head bowed and eyes closed. <coughs> that word of prayer. <coughs> Father, I just, I just bow my head. Thank you so much that you love us so much. And I can't honestly even begin to understand the effort you need. Lord, I thank you that in Christ we don't need to prepare these things and be able to speak here. God, you don't want us to be in the dark and just leave that concern and conflict. I thank you that you secured our salvation. That you did everything that was necessary, everything that was required, Lord. You went through everything to take us from you, to set us free. God, so we're, we're free to worship. We're free to, to live a life abundantly. Lord, we're free from fear. We're free from, from condemnation. Lord, you, you set us free from a grave, from a dark end to a lively hope. God, I just pray that everybody here knows you as their Savior. Lord, there's nobody in here here today without receiving that word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you be here to speak to anyone from all of our hearts and give us understanding of what it means to be the children of the King. God, what a great privilege that you're rejoicing in the world. God, how your grace, not because we're we're just so level, but just how your grace came inside of us and clothed us with oil to represent your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you lead and keep your way, God. If there's any person that's in here today, they just want to have a moment.